Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico joins me from a closet upstate to talk about the women running for president. Then, Michaela Watkins, Grace Para, and Dana Schwartz join me in studio to talk about why female friendships are so tough and so important. And finally, as always, the hills will die on. Thank you for listening in your car, through your headphones, on the subway, wherever you are. First, I want to get a little housekeeping out of the way. Uh, you can email us your listener hills in voice memo form at hysteria at crooked.com. Please keep them to 30 seconds or so. Otherwise, Caroline will get mad at you. Also, our Nancy Pelosi shirts are back in stock. So you can go to crooked.com and get yours before they're all gone. Now let's get to it. Do I sound better? Because I'm legit in my closet. Yeah, like, that I'm gonna was. Send you guys a picture. Okay, good, good. I think you should probably tweet the picture. Because um, I was... know, hold on, we're gonna do that right now. Okay. Because you know what? I have so many forms of technology going on in this thing. <laughs> I cannot wait to see it. Oh my mm. god. So explain while you're tweeting, if you can multitask like that. Why? Why? Why are yeah. you in your closet? Oh, girl, because I was a little echoey last time because my house upstate is like concrete floors and high ceilings. So we're going to make it more intimate with me here in the closet. Okay. Okay. You make it sound like you live in a big kind of reinforced compound upstate. You know what? I'm not going to lie. It's got some compound to it. Okay. And people drive by it and they're like, I wonder what goes on in there. Nothing good. Yeah, they do. I actually went to a dinner party because the neighborhood up here only has four houses and everyone's friends. And they were like, we have to be honest. We snuck into your house like a hundred times before you moved in to see what it was like. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad it was before. I'm here for that. I'm glad it was before. You appreciate people sneaking into your house, but prior to you occupying it. That's exactly because now they would trip an alarm because I'm also that person. Right. Well, that's very generous of you to give them (laughs) that that time. They get like mulligan time to go into your house. Exactly. Are we ready to do this? I'm ready. Okay. A lot of people are entering the 2020 race right now, which is both exciting and terrifying because we're a year away from the primaries and I'm I'm going to die. Like I, I cannot put forth this amount of energy for the next year, I'm something has got to give. I have to go like in an isolation chamber or something like that and rejuvenate my energy. But one thing that's really exciting is that all of a sudden, instead of having just one woman running for president and having her be an anomaly, we have a whole bouquet of women running for president. And on Hysteria, we will definitely be able to talk about the men that are running for president, the male politicians. I feel like we should maybe modify male politicians with the word male, just like how female politicians have always gotten a modifier. Um, <laughs> but today, let us uh, I, I wanted to kind of highlight the women who have thrown their hats in the ring on the Democratic side of things, because 
there are five of them, and that's super exciting. So let's get started. Erin, maybe we should call this segment, It's Raining Women. <laughs> okay. Did you like that? We, um, yeah, or maybe something no, better. <laughs> it's so exciting. And also, do you know what I think is awesome is that they were all like first out of the gate. Mm-hmm. They were like, fuck this shit. Here we are. They're not like sitting and thinking and waiting. They're like, nope, I'm here. Going to do it. No one's talking me out of it. I've thought about it. I'm good for America. Take me as I am. Mm-hmm. And so and they've all had such interesting. Well, Warren Harris and Klobuchar have all had their announcement events. And I have to say. God bless Amy Klobuchar, because I'd be hard pressed to see any man have endured the blizzard that she did and give a teleprompterless announcement speech because there was no prompter in that blizzard and like make it all the way to the end. I feel like a man would have had like a canopy built or something so that they could still give their speech without snow dripping from their hair. Right. I, I watched like footage of that and I kind of had these flashbacks of growing up in that part of the country. And uh, and I just was thinking about how around this time of the year, every year, my family group text chain gets extremely bleak because everybody has <laughs> <laughs> nobody's getting any sun. It's snowing all the time. Like my mom's school got canceled uh, for, I think, six out of seven days over the course of over one stretch because it was too cold to send kids to school. If you're oh, sta- yeah. If you're girl, standing outside upstate New York, upstate New York, same thing. I mean, I think one when I was a junior in high school, we went to school in February, like four days. <laughs> Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. We Um, won the snow Olympics that year. That's well, one time when I was in elementary school and this is totally off the rails, but this is just a testament. I guess we're talking about Amy Klobuchar still. Um, When I was uh, when I was in elementary school, we had a sudden thaw in January. And then that night, the temperature dropped to like 20 below zero. So the temperature was like 45 degrees and like 20 below. And then the next day we came to school and all the snow and ice had melted and become one giant sheet of ice. The playground was one (gasps) sheet of ice. And we weren't allowed to go outside to play unless we were wearing our ice skates because the whole playground was a skating rink. Yeah. Think of what a different era that was, that it was like actually... Kind of a thing and acceptable if you had just brought your ice skates to school and you were just well, going to go ice skating. It was in the winter. We, yeah, it was in the winter. We had an ice rink at our school. It was like one of the only ways to successfully go outside during that time of the year. So we all had like our ice skates and little cubbies and stuff. And this was in the 80s or wait, 90s. Well, this and is, I bet you didn't even have to wear a helmet to go ice skating. No, I didn't. But I have gotten several concussions, Alyssa, if I'm being <laughs> if I'm being honest. I've got it's dangerous for me to get hit on the head again. I've gotten many, many concussions in my life. But let's let's get, let's move on to the, let's, the let's candidates. Go back. Because I can't wait for you to come here so we can talk about all this stuff in person. But first, oh, it's happening first. Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, Democratic senator from Massachusetts. She's focusing on some of her policy proposals, um, a lot of them that affect women. A universal child care plan. She proposed this on Monday. This would make child care free for families with income levels below 200 percent of the poverty level and to limit child care expenses to 7 percent of a family income, depending on how much they earn. It would be partially paid for through a wealth tax Warren has proposed on assets above $50 million dollars. That sounds like a great idea. I know a lot of people who are middle class who have chosen to limit the size of their families, not because they don't want to have children, but because it's uh, not economically feasible to, for them to have children because childcare is so expensive. So this is something, this is a lovely idea. She also has a history of fighting on behalf of consumers against large corporations and banks. And uh, she's highlighted how her experiences as a mother have shaped her political outlook. She is also a dog person. She Instagrams her dog a lot. Have you seen? Bailey. Yeah. Bailey. Yeah. And Bailey is very cute. And Bailey gets very excited when Elizabeth comes home. I've seen that on her Insta story. It's very cute. Uh, but Warren faces some criticism for her handling of her Native American ancestry after the Washington Post published that she'd identified as Native American on professional forms. She's apologized for failing to recognize the distinction between ancestry and tribal citizenship and sovereignty. What are your thoughts on Elizabeth Warren? So first, love myself some Liz Warren. Um, I think that she is smart. I think that she, I think, you know, the problem is, is that if you look at all these stories, whether it's Klobuchar and the fact that she's maybe been mean to her staff a couple times, or it's Warren, the media is picking up on these like 
little things, right? And in this case, it's the, well, and like, look, she did bungled ancestry test a bit. Like that's, it, it was a very strange, strange handling of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have a president who endured and the media let him endure a tape with his own voice where he said he grabbed women by the pussies. So like, to me, this whole thing is just like a nothing. And if we're going to hold, I refuse to hold women to a higher standard than any man has ever been held to. So I say go for broke Liz and her proposals are things that America needs. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. I I find her really compelling and I've been a fan of hers for a really long time. I remember watching a frontline interview with her when she was teaching at Harvard law and thinking she was just the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And I think what is really exciting about Elizabeth Warren is that if you're somebody who identifies as a lot more progressive, she's somebody who's sort of bridges the gap between the quote unquote mainstream and the progressive wing of the party, in my yes. opinion. And her the what she's proposing is very forward thinking and very to the left. And if you're into that, that's then she's your girl. So I'm, I'm really excited that, she, that she's in the race. I'd love to see what else she comes up with. Let's move on. Uh, Senator Kamala Harris. Harris's campaign from the outset was presented as Kamala Harris for the people. I guess that's a nod to her passed as a prosecutor. And Harris Mm -hmm. has highlighted that she wants her campaign to be focused on grassroots organizing and community issues. This is something that I find very interesting about Harris. She stated that when she has been asked about women's issues in her career, she responds by saying, "Okay, I'm so glad you want to talk about the economy. It's a woman's issue to care about climate change. It's a woman's issue to want comprehensive immigration reform. It's a woman's issue to think about criminal justice reform. And it's a woman's issue to care about reproductive health care and the Affordable Care Act. It's a woman's issue to care about so many of these things. I think that's great. That's one thing that sort of bothers me about the siloing off of different issues. I mean, different things affect women differently than they affect men in general, but it doesn't mean that something is a woman's issue just because it affects us more. So I I like that characterization. So one of the things uh, that Harris gets criticism for is that when she was a prosecutor, she was tough and she was tough in a way that a lot of progressives Uh, have found a a little distasteful in certain cases. A lot of people have problems with the way that she approaches sex work or has approached sex work and drugs in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how she adjusts or or addresses those things. What do you think? Well, the thing the thing that I thought was pretty interesting, I watched her the town hall she did on CNN because I was curious about this, too, because it is a little hard. But when she puts it into context, she says, yeah, like, this was the 90s. And by the standards of the 90s, like I was pushing my department as far as to be as progressive as it could be. But it was still the 90s. Like there was only so far you could go. And so I I appreciate that. You know, we forget that she wasn't doing all this stuff yesterday. It was 20 some years ago and mm-hmm. the world has changed a lot. So, right. you know, I think that her response to that is fair. And speaking of personal growth and giving people space to become a better version of themselves, let's talk about Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, Gillibrand has been campaigning with a focus on communicating to women and prioritizing their needs and running on her experiences as a working mother using campaign lines such as, I will fight for your children as hard as I fight for my own. That's one thing that I really find compelling about her is that she has not in any way shied away from her femininity. She's she's not trying to lower her voice or wear pantsuits. She just is exactly who she is, and she puts yep. herself out there as a woman. Um, she was one of the first members of Congress in 2017 to vocally denounce Senator Al Franken after his sexual mm-hmm. harassment claims came to light and called for his resignation. She's been remarkably consistent on this issue when it comes to sexual assault in the military, when it comes to... Uh, workplace misconduct, she has been consistently zero tolerance, uh, which is, to her credit, she she does not really do anything hypocritical around that issue. One thing that she's been criticized for is that her positions have evolved from centrist to more progressive pretty rapidly, um, Mm -hmm. especially on uh, gun control and, and immigration. And some people worry that she could oscillate back if uh, the public demanded it. What do you think about Senator Jill Rand? So here's my here's my few cents on this one. Kirsten, as I call her, she was my congresswoman. Um, she represented the districts that I grew up in. And she won. She worked here for a long time, upstate Hudson Valley, Hudson, New York, and North. 
And so I can tell you that when I was growing up, the first day of hunting season in high school, there was a, you know, they came over the PA system because people would go hunting in the morning before school and then they'd make it in in time for homeroom and leave it like, lo and behold, every time around lunchtime, the PA would blare, hi, everyone, during lunch, you need to take your guns home. Can't have gun racks in the back of your pickup trucks, you know, here <laughs> on the school grounds. True story. And so for her, when she represented just the district, not the whole state of New York, you know, hunting, I mean, guns up here are for hunting. And so I think that you can really give her the benefit of the doubt, you know, going from sort of very rural, representing a very rural part of the state and to to becoming the senator representing the whole state and understanding that there are, you know, so many different kinds of people that you are representing and that guns in, you know, metropolitan New York are very different than guns in Coxsackie, New York. Right. Yeah, we had a, we had a similar um, kind of gun sense where I grew up and uh, it was people would have guns in the back of their cars and people would have to take them home as well. It was it's very different than if I saw a gun like walking around in Los Angeles, I'd be like that is bad news what I'm seeing right now. But if I was back in Frederick, Wisconsin and saw a gun, not so much bad news. I think that's an important distinction to keep in mind as we're assessing candidates who uh, represented rural populations, for sure. And also, if we're going to hold people to the standard that they should never like, what do we want in a president? We want someone who's a critical thinker, who can, you know, evaluate their positions on things. So if we're going to say someone held a position 10 years ago and they're not allowed to move on from that with new information or, you know, progress in the times, we wouldn't have gay marriage. There are so many things we wouldn't have. So I'm not for holding people to the standard that they cannot evolve. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cynical way to look at people. If you held me to standards from like the 90s, I would still be listening to like Third Eye Blind and wearing Jenko jeans. Girl, I would still look and dress like Eddie Vedder. <laughs> I would be 100% into that actually. It's coming back. Yeah, I was I was really I was really fun back then. <laughs> and finally we get to Hawaii rep Tulsi Gabbard. She is the first Hindu and Samoan American to serve in Congress. She was elected in 2013. Uh, she was first elected to the Hawaii State Legislature at age 21, which is crazy to me. She was the youngest woman elected to a U.S. state legislature. Her history in Congress, however, has been marked by controversy. It wasn't until 2012 that she announced that she was no longer opposed to same-sex marriage, which seems late. Well, it seems late for someone who puts themselves out as so progressive. Do you know what I mean? Like, it does seem late for someone like her. Yeah. I mean, I feel like being a progressive in 2012 who is just starting to come around to being okay with same-sex marriage is like, have you ever gone over to somebody's house and they seem totally normal? And then it turns out that they're like really into like a hockey team that's from a city that they never lived in. And you're like, you're like, what? They have like a room of, I don't know, they have a room of like Pittsburgh Penguins memorabilia. And you're like, you've never, why are you so into the Penguins? And they're just like, I don't know. I just like the Penguins. And it's just like, what? What an anachronism. So, I mean, I just need to confess that I have a Toronto Maple Leafs hat. <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll see that tracks. <laughs> For some reason that tracks. It's uh, a nice shade of blue. I believe you. I believe you, Alyssa. <laughs> Gabbard has also been criticized for meeting with Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad in 2017, which is much too late to be meeting with Bashar al-Assad. It was pretty well established by 2017 that he was a bad dude. But Gabbard justified it by saying that as an Iraq war veteran, quote, I have seen the cost of war firsthand, which is why I fight so hard for peace. Not sure what she thought she was going to accomplish meeting al-Assad in 2017. Well, I mean, let's be honest. She clearly was like fancying herself some sort of like Oprah disciple. Like she thinks she's going to go over and talk to Bashar al-Assad and like have a breakthrough or something like just fight for the peace, girl. You don't need to meet Bashar al-Assad. Like leave that to the secretary of state and the secretary of defense. Like, right. We're good. Right. I think on one hand, you know, she's the long shot candidate in the group. But on the other hand, 
you know, you got to admire the fact that this woman has a ton of chutzpah. She was running for state legislature at age 21. She's marching into Congress trying to meet with foreign leaders. I think it's good to see a woman that has the overconfidence of a man her age. Agree. And, Completely you know, agree. That's what progress means. Progress means that we arrive at a time where women sometimes have the overconfidence of a man who hasn't quite earned it yet. But, you know... Good for her. Good for her. Good for I guess her. I just wonder how she's going to, since her big deal was, you know, that she resigned the DNC vice chairship to a campaign for Bernie. I wonder, is she going to run against Bernie? Is I don't she going to try to be like female Bernie? Because I feel like there are other people who could be better who candidates for Better that. female Bernies. You know, I really, you bring up Bernie and I know that people are going to want to hear us talk about Bernie, but we have to save that for next week. And I cannot wait to talk about Bernie Sanders with you next week. I think it'll be super fascinating. Do you mean when we are sitting side by sit side, basically side by making side. out? We can okay, hold yeah. hands. We can even hold hands. We can hold There's hands gonna for the whole time. There's going to be so much Insta storying, but you guys are very fancy. So just know I'm not bringing makeup. I'm coming as I am. Like the picture I just tweeted of me in my closet. Okay. Fantastic. I haven't even looked at it yet because I've been so focused on giving our listeners the best possible podcast. <laughs> Um, okay, well, Alyssa, I can't wait to see you next week. This was great, as always. And okay. uh, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back soon with more Hysteria. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially Aaron, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very like on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a oh yeah. You've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm gonna just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah, perfect, perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're... They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, Ugh. Um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now. And I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip. And they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Reynolds Wrap. Reynolds Wrap. Potato wedges. Wedges. Olive oil. Salt. Mwah. Well done, hon. Well done, chef. Right. With Reynolds Wrap, cooking becomes so easy, you can feel like the chef of your kitchen. Easy prep, easy cook, easy clean. Reynolds Wrap. All right, we're back with more hysteria this week on Personal Political. I've got a bomb-ass panel per use. Uh, first, we have Dana Schwartz, writer and coffee liker. How are you doing, Dana? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for liking coffee. Yeah, it's it, that uh, just basically comes from my desperation to have coffee this morning in order to be coherent. I think it's an addiction. It's a full-on addiction for me. Yeah. Like, I was away this weekend, and there was one morning where it's I spent like an hour being like, I need to get coffee. I need to get coffee. Mm-hmm. I need, to, And I couldn't even enjoy myself. I know. The thing I hate is that it becomes so cliche and like oh coffee but like I, I do need it yeah gosh I, let's hope that nobody ever discovers that it causes cancer because I'll be one of those people like huddling outside in the cold drinking coffee <laughs> like a smoker in the year 2000 outside of a bar in New York City <laughs> we also have Grace Para, actress activist and proud clog apologist those things are hideous I have them I wear them and if you're following our feud on Twitter you will know that Aaron and I do not see eye to eye on this no L- look I am approximately five feet one and can take all the help that we get I grew up with my mom telling me you should wear heels because there's something wrong with your height mm. Fix it. So I did. So now, yes, I proudly wear. Look, these in particular are kind of they're they're pretty grotesque, like in terms of their height and their lack of a heel. I'll give There's you that. No, how do they stay on your foot? I don't know. I don't know. Gravity, magic, science, magic, prayer, <laughs> prayer, Th- thoughts and prayers. I did grow up Catholic, so I think that that explains it. They stay on your feet with the power of prayer. Exactly. La Virgen de Guadalupe is <laughs> looking out for me every time I put yeah. these things on. You this just is... brought them to rub them in my face. I did. That's exactly why I did that. All right. Well, let's move on to our third. <laughs> <laughs> Michaela Watkins, multi-hyphenate funny person and Jim disliker. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Jim. Why do you why do you hate them? I hate everything about them. I hate the music that's playing. I hate the um it they it's either too loud or too soft, so you hear like some bad song really softly, you're like just crank it or it's too loud, you're like no, I can't even. How is this? I'm yeah. not getting pumped. I'm getting. I feel assaulted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stopped going to regular gyms. I just run outside or I go to an inside like class yes. situation, like bar or yoga. Right. Bar is always really nice because it's it's mostly women, and women are very cognizant of the impact they're having on the space around mm-hmm. them, mostly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're not making loud noises oh. and they're not doing any you you mean, know, heavy breathing or anything like that because we're we're conditioned to 
feel like we're responsible for everybody else's reaction to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's not a hot, sweaty ass outline of sweat on a seat that you're about to <laughs> right, sit on. Right, right. Because somebody wiped it down. Totally. Not at a gym. No, not at a gym. <laughs> uh, but today we're going to talk about women's friendships with each other and why they're so complicated. I'm going to start with a very quick story. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I had, or when I was in seventh grade, I had this best friend and we were kind of joined at the hip. And then summer happened, and we came back for eighth grade. Suddenly, all my friends didn't like me anymore. Like, I had no... And it's also, like, a small school. Did you get boobs? No, I didn't get boobs until I was a senior. Yeah, so I had to learn to get to survive on my personality. How'd that that go for you? It's it's why I'm barely tolerable now. But I I was, like, all of of the girls grouped together and became a group that just was, like, the regular group, but just minus... Yeah. Aaron. Mm-hmm. And so I started, you know, I, I, it was this very like lonely, sad. T- I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know why they didn't like me. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And, and you know, as I've grown up, I've talked to a lot of women that had one bad year mm-hmm. or like one bad semester. They came back from, you know, Christmas break in sixth grade and suddenly their best friend was mad at them. Yeah. And, uh, and I found that that sort of formative experience kind of informs the way that we approach friendships with women as we grow up because something like that can be very traumatic for mm-hmm. you and as you as you age it totally changes the way that you view other women yet we need other women mm-hmm. uh, Dana I wanted to start with you did you have a bad year or a friend breakup that kind of informed like your female friendships you know I went to a really big high school so I was really lucky that by the time I got to like middle school and high school I sort of had like three or four girls who are my speed, but I remember really specifically in fifth grade, which is very young, my kind of small elementary school class had sort of stratified where it was very clear there was a group of like the cool girls and then the group of like the more artistic, like, you know, just like girls who didn't care about like the hair, makeup and boys. And I was sort of like somewhere in the middle. So I could sort of be with the cool girls, but always sort of be on the outskirts and like always like be questioning what I was saying and know that I was never quite as cool or quite as included or I could sort of hang with these girls who I had like genuinely more fun with but in the back of my mind I knew that like I don't know like my mom and my sister and my family and like the rest of my town was definitely more like the cool girl speed and Mm -hmm. I should have been like striving for that so I had this sort of choice of whether I was going to be like loud and proud and the artistic black sheep or you know keep flat ironing my hair and you know, trying on makeup. And I think I kind of made the wrong choice. Wait, which one did you pick? I think I was always sort of miserable on the outskirts of the popular girls. Yeah. When you um, should have just gone full popular? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. When I should have gone full mean girl. Full bitch. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever find that when you were growing up uh, that you, sometimes the popular girls kept you around because you suspected it was because you were clever and you could come up with funny things to say that they would be like, that's funny. Like they were the type of people that would just point at you and say, that's funny and not laugh. A little bit. Yeah. And I also feel like, so my name is Dana Schwartz. And if anyone's ever like put that together, there's Danish right in there. So sort of, oh, I, I went through a long period of my life where people just called me Danish. And so I feel like I was sort of like the comic relief. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that I can see that being the case. How about you, Grace? Did you ever have a friend break up when you were on the younger side? Well, I was the one doing the breaking up. Of course you are. You're so cool. Grace. I was, well, fourth grade Grace. So this is very young. This is like, oh, we're talking nine years old. And it really informed all of my female friendships after that. Because... I'm picturing you with a clipboard doing it. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. I was just, I, Erin, listening to you talk about how you came back one day and like your best friend, just like all these girls were just like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. I was on the other side of that where I, at some point, had this best friend fourth grade. And I, I don't even remember specifically which one it is. God, it was awful. Um, but I, it was very small. Um, uh, school, very small private school, and I just got like sick of this girl, and then I decided that I wanted to be best friends with another girl. Mm. So I just slyly like started making the moves on this other girl and became good friends with her. And then the other girl was left in the lurch, wondering what happened, and I never gave an explanation, <gasps> and and I never understood why. I never understood did why you vilify I did that. Her? Did you start to find things that were wrong with her? Like I think I did. Mm-hmm. I think I did, and I never vocalized it to anybody, mm-hmm. not to her. I wasn't. I wasn't mean in the way of like, oh, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Anymore. I just like slyly became better friends with this other person mm-hmm. and then declared this other person my best friend. And she was very happy to be my best friend. So I was like, great, I guess this is a cool thing that I can do. You moved up? Yeah, but here's, yeah, I guess so. But here's here's the thing. 
within uh, one calendar year, I became known at that school as Wedgie Woman because <laughs> I was given the uh, Christmas recorder solo to O Come All Ye Faithful. And I did the solo, and re- and uh, I guess at some point I like had to pull a wedgie in the middle of this performance, <laughs> nine-year-old Grace, and I did it very deftly while still performing the solo <laughs> note perfectly. On what instrument? The recorder. That's a two-handed just a little instrument. Bit. Yeah, but there's a few there's a few bars where you just it's just on one hand. That is. And you're really good at recording. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So within a few months I got my just desserts by being called Wedgie Woman and then I went to public school after that and never saw any of these people again and it did inform my future friendships because I realized like, oh, that's no way to to treat somebody. Karma's a bitch. Is your wedgie performance on video somewhere? Is Absolutely. there a VHS? Absolutely. Oh, it is you somewhere. Put it on your website. I should. I should. It, uh, it terrifies me to this media day. Website. Yeah. I mean, just just kind of put it all out there before anybody else can figure it out for you. Like, do your own oppo research. Exactly. You know? <laughs> uh, well, that kind of reminds me of this piece that uh, I read in Pacific Standard about a woman who was the one being broken up with as an adult. And there's also been research into the ways that women end friendships and the ways that women kind of ramp down friendships. And it's because, I guess because we tend to be less confrontational. Uh, a lot of times if you're the person getting broken up with, you never understand mm-hmm. why, mm-hmm. what happened. Uh, Michaela, as an adult, have you noticed that kind of patterns that were established in elementary school, like Grace's patented slow fade, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> continue to be a, a way that women kind of disconnect from each other? Yeah, you know, I mean, Grace, I was the, I, my sixth grade version of that, I was the receiving end where my best <gasps> friend ever in the whole world just ghosted me <gasps> one summer and I went into school and then I got mean notes passed and, no. yeah, hard and, same. Uh, same thing. Yeah, and I just, and then when we became friends the following summer again, when she just got sick of, you know, aggressively hating me all year. Uh, you know, she just called me one day and I immediately forgave her because, you know, I had to really grow in this other way where my, my best friend was gone inexplicably. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I became friends with the most available person and it was the girl who, you know, uh, developed very early, had very big boobs and, uh, was sort of like, uh, more, you know, we smoked, cigarettes together we were very bad together and and my studious best friend you know that was a real turning point so Aaron to your uh sort of thought about breaking up as adults is that was that what mm-hmm. you yeah break, breaking up with your friends yeah you know I have a theory and I don't know if this is scientifically backed but I've lived my life so that's my science and um <laughs> and what I can say I feel like very confidently is that if I were to sort of GPS the the greatest breakups of my of my friendships, um, sixth grade, uh, college, uh, maybe there was one in my twenties, not sure, not, not big enough, but one you know in my early thirties that could have been a breakup. These were all really seminal points of of my personal evolution. Mm-hmm. So, like Grace, you you know were attracted to this other girl and you know I'm sure that brought such a new freshness to maybe more um who you authentically were starting to become right right and and so I had a moment here's an example um because when I think back on my life, as I sit by a fireplace and <laughs> write your memoir, a little spoon skin. around my teacup. I was picturing you whittling for some reason. Yeah. Just whittling just something. Whittling. Exactly. <laughs> Watching antacid commercials. <laughs> um, listening to, I haven't got time for the pain. <laughs> uh, as I do that, I really think back about how these moments were just such a breaking point in my, in my life. And a, a case in point, here's an example. Um, in my early 30s, I had a friend. She became our first friend to be successful, monetarily successful. Mm -hmm. She bought a house. She uh, had a business manager. Yeah, guys, it was for real. Um, She would throw a Christmas party because she had a Christmas tree. You know, I was like, I was effectively a waitress and I was buying rolling papers. (laughs) That's all I could afford. And the dynamic started to shift in our relationship where I was sort of, you know, she would throw me a bone like, hey, uh, you feed my cats while I go to this, you know, yoga retreat and things like that. I'll pay you, you know, I could use the cash, that kind of thing. And our dynamic really started to get off kilter. And we were very good friends. And then 
she started to talk to me like I was sort of hired help, you know, oh, and no. I was really, and, and, and the more this was starting to happen, the more I was kind of filling the role of, I'm a mess. I always have a story. Oh my God, the craziest thing just happened to me. I was filling this role of court jester mm -hmm. in our friendship circle because my self-esteem was kind of in the garbage too, you know? And this dynamic was getting more and more pronounced. Mm -hmm. I finally, you know, the more she talked to me like this, the more I realized I had to confront her. So it was this moment, and it depends on who the people are, because we easily could have broken up. But when I said to her, you can't talk to me like that, her response was, oh my God, I had no idea. Thank you for telling me this. We could have broken up. But what it also meant was I no longer, if I wanted her to respect me and treat me as an equal, I had to stop acting like a little stupid sister. I had to, st I had to grow up. And mm -hmm. I can really pinpoint that as a beginning of a transformation in my, in my like social and mental evolution. Wow. And then my life changed. Mm -hmm. Like my work life changed mm -hmm. and I changed my status because my status in that friendship shifted. My status in my life shifted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like you were giving yourself a talk. Like I can't treat myself like this. You know, you can't talk to me like this, but I can't treat myself like this. Right. And right. I was shaking because I'm so conflict averse. And yeah. I just yeah. thought this is the yeah. end. This is the end of this really important friendship. But I had to get in place my mind where I'm like, I'm ready to let it go because I don't want to fulfill this role anymore. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I think that's an, a really interesting point. And it, it really, uh, it crystallizes the essentialness of female friendships and also the danger of them. Mm -hmm. It's like we need them in order to uh, be fully emotionally fulfilled. But we also, they can totally fucking blow our lives up. Yeah. I was thinking about the difficulty in making new female friends. I've moved cities a couple times as an adult. I moved from Chicago to New York and then New York to Los Angeles. And it's really hard to maintain friendships that you made after a certain age and then you move to a different city. Like the people that I met in New York, it's like, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. hard because it's like, so what'd you do today? <laughs> well, you went to work and the subway was bad. Cool. You know, it's like you don't have those like day to day commonalities anymore. I have a group of friends um, who we all met in college at Notre Dame our freshman year. And there's like 14 of us and we've been on an email listserv since the year 2003 and we like still talk almost every day there's somebody emailing on the listserv and I can say with confidence that if I met any of these women out in the wild without having the history that I have with them mm -hmm. we wouldn't be friends mm -hmm. but the fact that we have this history you know it's like one of them is like an aerospace engineer one of them you know a couple of them work in like you know, pandemic research. It's like I never would have met them. I never would have become friends with them. Mm. One thing that I that I think though is like, yeah, I never would have met them. I never would have been drawn to them. But also, like, it's hard to make female. Like, how do you come across those people that you can grow with in the future? Mm -hmm. And Dana, I know that you relocated to LA too. Yeah. Have you found it to be difficult to make new friends? Yeah, I will fully admit, like, I'm really bad at making new female friends because. I'm also like a very lazy person. Like I'm not good at being like, let's go out and do a thing. I'm not like an aggressive. And I think that comes from, um, so I had three siblings growing up. So I still do. Um, but I think that when you have, when I had like two sisters and, and a brother, like I always had a full house. So I never had to be that kid who like during the summer was like needed another person to like spend time with. Mm -hmm. um, so like my best friends still in LA are people that I knew from college. And I've always found, and I'm not at all one of those girls who's like surrounded with guys all the time instead of female people, but I do find that sometimes dating is easier than like going on a new friend date because at least when you're going on a first date with a guy, the expectations are like established and you know what you're doing. You're like, well, you go on a date and you have fun and you have a good conversation. You have like a romantic spark. Mm -hmm. And then the steps to that are like hand and job. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Give him an H. Give him an H. J. Mm -hmm. But you know, then you go on a few more dates and you become exclusive and like those sushi. Soon date four, always. Yeah. Um <laughs> but like with a female friend, you're like you go on a good date, you're not like it's not sexual, it's like you don't know what you're looking for other than a good time and then like 
you have a second date and then maybe you invite her to your friends. Like that is so much harder and more nebulous to me. And I'm very bad at it. They all feel like like a general meeting. <laughs> like I should be giving them little water bottles. That's so it's it's I, I think that's that's very true because you don't know what the expectations are. Because the reality is our friends all fill very different roles in our lives. There are the best friends that are, you know, ride or dies, you call them anytime you need to be bailed out of jail, which is a lot for yeah, I was gonna say how many times are you in jail? <laughs> so many I guess times, maybe guys. the fashion police are arresting you for wow. those clogs. Wow. Do you guys oh see the kind getting of abuse mean, girl. that I'm receiving here? I love it, actually. Um, yeah, and then and but then sometimes like just having like a drinking buddy friend is is fine too. And if if that's the expectation of the friendship, and if that's achieved, then it feels it feels fine. The difficulty is how do you have how do you have that DTR there's a hump. conversation? There's the the first friend yeah. date, and then there's like a hump before you're like real friends and not artificial friends. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a hard hump. Yeah. It is, well, but once you cross that threshold, it's so earned, mm-hmm, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh god, I'm so glad. It's like you get, it's the feeling of unbuttoning your top button, your jeans, <laughs> <laughs> sticking your hand in your pants, and just be like, ah, friendship. Well, I also think, <laughs> <laughs> just like non-sexually scratching your pubes, yes. like, uh, putting friendship. your hand on your mons, uh, <laughs> your mons. hand on mons. Well, that's, I think that's what hand on mons. <laughs> that's one thing that I think just working in a career creative field that uh, the, I think the line between friendship and like co-worker sort of becomes blurred. I've been yeah. writing for the last I think the first my first full-time writing job was like seven and a half years ago and ever since then I've been in positions where it's like part of what I do is like putting myself out there and using myself and my real opinions and experiences and personality to relate to other people in my work. It's not like I'm an accountant sitting there, you know, right. just like accounting or whatever. I am like it's my myself. And so when people respond to what I do, it's in a, in a sense a response to me, a human being. And I interact with people that I work with on a personal level that feels very. Uh, it's much more intimate than like a typical coworker relationship. And also you're being creative together. And so that's like a lot more intimate as well. But I've also found that like working in a creative field, which is so nice, mm-hmm. means that when I'm done working in a creative field, I, when I'm done with work, I am sort of like, I don't, I, I, who am I going to talk to? Yep, I don't yep, want to yep. talk to the people that I just got done working with because I just was working with you. Mm-hmm. And like, who, who am I going to talk Another person, we can talk about the stuff that we just did and it just becomes this whole weird thing. I don't know, Michaela, as somebody who's been working in a multi-hyphenate, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. have you found that it's been a sort of, there's been a blurring between work and friendship and is that something that has caused complications in making new friends? Or is it something that kind of dovetails for you? You know, it's it's such a weird world I live into because, you know, I'll go work intimately with somebody for three months, get to know every single detail of their life. And then not see them again for three years. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if I do see them, that, that's that been so established because we spend such long hours together, because our work is such that we're kind of laid bare, and because chances are if you're working with other actors, they're gregarious, outgoing, um, filterless, boundaryless people as well. So I have a different experience than somebody who works in HR at Kaiser Permanente, you know, every day. So I, I understand that I have a the skewed version. What it does sort of make, here's what the problem, sometimes, you know, I'll go on a work jag and come home and be like, I want to call my friend. Wait, who are my friends? Do I have friends? Because I've had this illusion that I've been so social mm-hmm. all day. I've been at work. Mm-hmm. I've been working. But it's this illusion that I've been so social and sharing so intimately. Mm-hmm. But then I realize, oh, I have to go water the plants, plants being my, my actual friends. You know, mm-hmm. I have to go, like, <laughs> caregive there because I have to keep those connections alive because it's a felt sense of of friendship and social and intimacy, but it's not it's not the real thing like your real girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that also reminds me of another important point. Like we started talking about childhood friendships and the way that those are formative, and I wanted to move into talking about a kind of interesting like relationship that exists in the liminal space between friendship and professionalism, which is like the mentor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as women, you know, especially in in a lot of fields, women are in the minority, unless you're in like teaching or, you know, uh, nursing or something. Mm-hmm. In entertainment, women are in the minority. In, you know, in, in comedy, women are in the minor- minority. In writing, for the most part, women are in the minority. And so we're taught, we're told that we need to seek out female mentors. And there are women who kind of blazed a trail and 
a lot of people are seeking those women out for mentors. Michaela, do you think it's fair that we expect women who have blazed trails to stop and give some of their energy to mm-hmm. helping other people? Yeah, I think it's totally fair. I really do, because I don't think it's fair to ask me to take out your neighbor's nephew or stepchild out to lunch (laughs) because you want to be a hero to that neighbor. I don't think that's fair. But I think it's fair because I was. You know, I continue to encourage, to advise, to support, to promote, and to um, take a moment to listen to young women or, or, or other women or, you know, I think that it, we have to do that like it's our job mm-hmm. because I think the problem in those friendships of middle school and high school and everything is that if you've ever been on the receiving end of a friendship breakup, it's that feeling of not somebody not having your back and women are savvy mm-hmm. and we understand sort of the, 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 intricacies of our friendships, of our work dynamics in a way that is so immediately clear, especially your your smarter friends, and that's why you chose them. Uh, and so we need to know, like, I know you get it. And if I feel like you don't have my back, then we have just basically leached all our power away to something else. Mm-hmm. And it, it is pointless and senseless. It, the, the greatest power we have is is the fact that when we come together, we are unstoppable. And I don't mean this, I don't mean to sound all lean-in-y right now, but but it is so true. And I only want to see women excel and, uh, you know, ascend to power positions. Mm -hmm. I want to do away with this stupid idea that there's only room for one woman at the top. Uh, That's dumb. It was something that we were sort of led to believe in order to be competitive with each other, and we bought into it, and it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And so I absolutely 100% think it's our job to mentor. Do I think as a friendship, you know, because I know you've talked about, like, what's the difference between mentoring and friendship? Well, a friendship is you take turns mentoring each other. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a mentor and that's like you're just expected to sort of help guide, great. Mm -hmm. But a friendship, you just take turns. I have a question about mentoring because that is something that makes me very nervous, having a mentor. Mm -hmm. Do you, is it like a formal thing? Do you ask someone to be your mentor? How does it work? Yeah, I you're supposed like, to buy a ring, Dana. I, is it like I yeah. feel like you have a ring? You're supposed to plan <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. You get you get a like a, limo. a banner. It's like a prom I was imagining yeah. it's more like when you a ask someone to be your bridesmaid. You have to get them like an embroidered thing. <laughs> Will you be my bridesmaid? <laughs> there's there's like, cross stitching involved. I think neuroscientists yes. like, <laughs> get mentors. You know what I mean? I don't. I think it's a little more subtle in our business. I, I usually, I'm like just terrified of asking anyone for anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I err more on that side too. Yeah, right? I think that the, the friendship versus mentorship thing is really interesting. I think that I have a couple women who are older than me who I'm friendly with who I consider them kind of mentors to me but I also feel like it goes both ways because sometimes they'll be like oh what's what's this that's going on among people that are your age you know mm-hmm. I, I feel like we exchange information you're youth comes. consultant I am yes I'm I'm the vibe guy I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm just like providing the vibe but I think that you know um one thing that I wanted to say uh my question about mentoring is because I think sometimes people who don't embrace mentoring do it because they think it's a, it's going to be a drain on their energy mm-hmm. and I've found that in the limited times that people have asked me for something that I've found it I found it very energizing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's really cool to like go out to coffee and have somebody ask you a bunch of questions and oh, be able to kind of sounds horrible. put everything <laughs> just like tell them you know how what give them advice or imagine that you're going back in time and talking to a younger version of yourself and what you would have needed to hear and I, I find that very energizing Grace uh, final thoughts I don't know that I have had a female mentor and it's 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 kind of upsetting the more I think about it um, I've definitely had little sisters um, you know younger younger girls younger than me in high school and college and and um, in entertainment who I think I've I hope you know hopefully been something of a of a, of a good uh, voice for but I, I've never I've certainly had male mentors that have been very beneficial but a, a lot of it uh, what you mentioned Aaron there aren't that many women in entertainment who have ascended to certain levels and have been open to being mentors um, which I think is something that has to change I agree completely Michaela with all that you're saying about the power of, of women helping each other um, but yeah man I want to go get a mentor now Yeah, I don't think I have one I think we should just open a big home mm-hmm. for like, an, <laughs> like an orphanage style and yeah. all 
the like little baby writers and actors and comedians <laughs> can come and stay there and like they all stay in bunk beds and then they go to like mentoring sessions. And yeah. Stuff. I give it 10 days before it cannibalizes itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some hot guy walks in. It, it would be fun as a limited run series. Yes. <laughs> and we just don't imagine it past six episodes. It, everything was fine. Everything turned out fine. <laughs> all right. Well, we've said everything possible that can be said about female friendships. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sure we'll come back to this topic because it's super fascinating and I know that we all have a lot of experience with it and it's very important. But we have to take a break and when we come back, the hills we will die on. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m., at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Okay, we're back with more Hysteria. Dana, Grace, and Michaela are here with me for the hills that we will die on. First, let's get to the listener hill. Hi, Hysteria. My name is Sarah. The hill that I will die on is that leaving dishes to quote-unquote soak is just lazy. It is so much faster to wash the dish when you are finished with it instead of forcing me to put my hands in cold, dirty water several hours later. It's disgusting. I do not like it. Thank you very much. Nope, they gotta soak overnight. They gotta soak for four days. <laughs> they gotta soak. Some I, some some pots gotta soak. I agree with the listener. Really, I, I agree with the listener. I I told you guys all that I think that I'm being possessed slowly by the ghost of my dead grandmother. Correct. correct? Yes. <laughs> so my dead grandmother, who is like a super super neat freak, like just but she always smelled incredible. But her hands were always dry because she was always cleaning things. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, she used to do the dishes, and her house was like neat as a pin. And I've since I've moved out here, been super anal about washing the dishes right away mm-hmm. like this this weekend we were we were away at Laguna Beach staying in like a little like co- cottage and after meals were done I would like leap up to try to do the dishes and eventually I had to be like people that were there with me were like do not stop doing the dishes Aaron just enjoy yourself so mm-hmm. I agree don't soak them wash them but sometimes there's 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 detritus, and sometimes I don't want to do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing dishes. I like if my if everything went to shit and they're like, okay, you're gonna be a dishwasher. I'd be like, that's fine. <laughs> I, because what do you like about it? It's just there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> yeah, I get that. It, there's such um, completion. I like the sound of running water. I write screenplays while I'm, the water runs. I forget them as soon as I'm done doing the dishes. But it's just such a zen meditative place, and I just love the feeling of completion it's amazing to me i can respect that yeah yeah, yeah it's nice because yeah. because when you're a writer you're never you're, it's like the feeling of always having homework yeah and you're yeah. never ever done with it but also i like the chapter break after a meal because i'm somebody who's uh i always joke that i'm an extroverted shut-in and you know a meal is so fun haha ha, let's all chit chat and then i'm like okay recharge i'm going in the kitchen i'm going to do all the dishes and yeah i need it yeah. Wow. You and Grace should get together and talk. You guys Seriously. Would, you guys can't ever co-host a party because you would have to brawl over who oh, got yeah, to. Oh, yeah. That's true. Well, I could be cooking. I could be at the stove. Oh. And you could I be. I hate cooking. Okay. I love cooking. That's so great. I'll cook and you do the dishes. That's great. Wonderful. It's a sitcom. I love it. Our, I mean, seriously our mentor, our mentor old age home is going to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, that was, a, that was a good hill to die on. I'm going to start with our hills. Here's my hill. I have, uh, I'm no longer online dating, obviously, but I have an app on my phone from this store that's like very expensive, but I like going through it and harding things that I like. Just It's sort of like speed dating. It's like Tinder for things I'm not going to buy. <laughs> and so I've, you know, go on there and I kind of notice like, oh, this outfits for, this is what's trendy, blah, 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 blah. I've noticed this coming season, there's a trend of shoes that have like clear, like containers for your feet, oh like oh like a like a pointed toe shoe with a with a clear material over your foot, or like a sandal that has like a like clear straps. Yeah, no. So like, 
like you see all the sweat you see and the moisture. What, it, so they're yeah. like jellies, but they're, for women. They're like they're like pumps Porn made shoes, but of, without the yeah. They're heel. like pumps made of clear material, or they have like stripes of clear material. It's usually like unbreathable plastic. And yeah. in the picture, in you know the catalog picture, or whatever, it's like this. Fo- it's like a foot with like the clear line drawn around it. But in reality, when you're wearing shoes, your feet get sweaty. Yeah, they get hot. Mm-hmm. They expand into the space. If they can't breathe, it just is going to look like your have you ever seen one of those like fetal pigs that's like <laughs> yes. about to be dissected and it's like uh, like smashed up against it's like a freeze jar? dried in yeah. a bag. Yes. Yeah. Your feet look like fetal pigs inside <laughs> fetal clear pigs. fetal pigs. <laughs> that's what they should call it. That's the name of the episode. And they're horrible and they shouldn't be sold and I cannot believe that we've gotten to a point in American history when this is an acceptable thing. We need to know. No, no clear shoes. I'm no. so scared right now because I think I'm going to end up buying a pair of shoes like that. No, I think they're sweaty. I know, but and I'm not talking all clear. I'm just talking a little stripe of clear because they're great for all skin tones. Oh, um, maybe. Yeah, but they make all skin tones look like they're fetal pigs. I know. Inside I of, know. There was okay, one. No. There's one picture that I can imagine in my head of like Kim Kardashian, I think, or one of the Kardashians wearing all clear boots. Oh, that mm. was that was too much. And it was just like the condensation on uh, it. And yeah. it's just like you can just. Tate, you can just smell that picture. You're like, uh, ah. yeah. Like, have you ever tried to wear pants that don't breathe, like vinyl pants? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you put them on, and it's the only time you wear them because you're like, oh yeah, yeah. this is horrible. Yeah. Cool. I have a rash, like where my leg bends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, Grace, do you want to go next? Yes, I would like to go next, Aaron. Thank you. My hill that I'll talk <laughs> about. Clipboard. Clipboard Grace of fourth grade Grace over here. Um, my hill that I would like to die on this week is I am sick of hearing our gender complain about our temperature problems. We're constantly getting cold, and then we're constantly getting hot, and we're constantly talking about it. And I probably am erring on the side of having a thyroid problem. I fully understand this. But every time I go into a grocery store, it's like it's the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's I was in a grocery store two days ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, Grace, get it together. You need a jacket for a grocery store. Don't <laughs> complain when you're cold because you knew this was going to happen. And if you get overheated under the sheets at night, you also knew that was going to happen because the same shit happened to you last night. So I'm not saying that we need to be like... I don't know. I don't know what the fix is here. I'm just saying that we all collectively need to stop talking about it so much because it's boring. We all go through it. We all understand it, and we just have to move on. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, I agree. That's yeah. fair. I mean, I think that yeah, it just there's a point at which you just have to accept the fact that the problem has existed forever and exactly. is going to continue. To layer exist. up, bitches. It's yeah. Honestly, yes. Layer up, bitches. It's like the way people describe childbirth, where they're like, you just forgot how painful it was till you have another. And then, yeah. you know, I, I, every time I go to the grocery store, I forget a parka and I forget my bags. Yes. <laughs> every time. Every, every time. time. We need every to just start time. being fucking smart about it and move on. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Anger. <laughs> All right, Michaela, do you want to go? Sure. Um, <clears throat> let's talk dog etiquette, okay? Mm-hmm. I have a dog. He's the cutest dog in the entire world. His name is Jeff. And he's a terrier mix. And Wait, your dog is named I was Jeff? about to say, my favorite thing in the world is when pets have people names. I really like that. Jeff the, the dog? I bet you somebody will call and be like, here's my hill, people names on dogs. Um, <laughs> I really like I'm that. I'm trying to find him on Instagram. Oh, I, here, let me just pass around a pic. If you go to my Instagram, it's just, that's oh, all you're going to We're all, pu- we're all pulling up Jeff. But the whole point about Jeff is uh, he's oh. a rescue. Let me see. And he's... Jeff um, the dog. And he's uh, he's a love bug. Oh my god, oh, Jeffrey! And this is insane. Yeah, he's beyond. Oh no, Jeffrey! And everybody oh. is like, oh, here's here's my hill. If if you say he's he's a rescue, he's uh, very inconsistent with other dogs. Okay, mm. uh, he's very protective of us because he loves us dearly, and he he's seen the dark side, and he doesn't want to go back, and so he will kill anybody who tries to, <laughs> he thinks, threaten us in any way. So that includes your dog. So when, when you say, is your dog friendly, and I say, eh, he's a little weird with other dogs, that's not an invitation for you to send your dog up my dog's ass. Uh, so I, if, People are if always I say, like, oh, my dog's the exception. Then they say, 
oh, well, my dog's friendly. And I'm like, this is not about your dog. And congratulations. I'm really glad that you had the foresight to, you know, have a dog with, like, incredible, impeccable demeanor. My dog can be an asshole 20% <laughs> of the time and won't and might try to kill your dog. So if, if one in five times I'm like, yeah, you want to play Russian roulette with my dog? <laughs> you know, that's on you. But, like, what's going to happen is you're going to sue me when my dog takes your dog by the throat. <laughs> so, and, and not saying he will. But when I say inconsistent and I say, you know, not great with other dogs, it's a friendly way of saying back off. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know why people are like, oh, thinks it's an invitation to come closer. It's a challenge. Maybe you should it's just say he's, he's traumatized. He's very afraid of other dogs. Oh. You have to just like exaggerate. What if I dr- say he's afraid of people who don't understand social cues? <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, I think that the problem there is that person would not understand that so <laughs> but I would have such pleasure from it <laughs> it would be funny if I were like watching from an omnipotent like perspective yeah. I'd be like that's a good joke that's good writing that's good writing but unfortunately probably wrote that, that up joke. while you were washing dishes <laughs> <laughs> alright Dana what's your hill alright so uh, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I've noticed this sort of joke premise coming back where people being like looking up a recipe for uh, chocolate chip cookies and it's like the blogger writes for 48 paragraphs about her grandma and people are like making fun of that like mm-hmm. that cooking bloggers like before they give you the recipe they make you scroll through the story of her divorce like oh <laughs> and i'm like you know what shut up no I, one, like reading about food bloggers' lives and, like, how they came to that recipe. Like, I want the story of, like, I tried it with more flour and then I took out flour. And, like, one, I want that recipe. Two, just scroll. It's not that hard. (laughs) If you really want the recipe, you can just scroll. No one forces you. It's not like the Apple terms and conditions. Like, you're not supposed to click that you've read (laughs) the whole whole story. Right. Three, uh, like, women, mostly women do this online for free and it's just like a place where women feel like they are comfortable talking about their lives and their experiences Mm -hmm. and food is a a thing that primarily women you know connect to uh, relationships and emotions and I think that when people are like shut up and just give me the recipe I like that irks my misogyny head my my alert that irks my misogyny head yeah (laughs) shut up woman just give me your food recipe yeah exactly I'm like if you want Recipe, just like go to like the food network. I don't know how much cilantro to put in this. Shut <laughs> up about your grandma. So yeah. that's it. I'm like, food blogs are a space where women, usually working for free, feel that they can write about their lives and their Aww. experiences making this thing. And you being like, shut yeah. up because I'm, my fingers are too tired, scrolling <laughs> down, not wanting to read the thing he wrote. I'm like, you shut up, you know, Gerald or whatever your name is. Like, so I don't like that hacky premise that I feel like there's always a new viral tweet that people think they're the first one to come up with complaining about really women. Care about, you made me really care about flu bloggers. Yeah. yeah. I, don't so complain. Bitch. If you don't want to read it, don't read it. But so, don't shame women. I, I agree with you in part. But I also, as somebody who's like, a, I love cooking from yeah. recipes from blogs, I think because blogs are like somebody actually tried this yeah. and it's like mm-hmm. it's good. There are only a couple whose writing is good enough that I find it worth it and that's Lisa Fain who does Homesick Texan, mm-hmm. who I adore, and Deb Perlman Smitten Kitchen, Smitten Kitchen mm-hmm. who is the OG of being good at food blogging. Mm-hmm. One thing that really drives me nuts though is that I feel like everybody writes in this voice that's like aspirational lifestyle guru mm-hmm. yeah. and it's not really their own voice. Mm-hmm. They're they're imitating what they think they should sound like if they were to be very successful bloggers. It's like, like me when I try to write Instagram captions. Instagram captions are really the worst offenders. Whereas yeah, people yeah. that are like, sometimes it's a picture of them getting out of the pool and you can see their butt. Mm-hmm. And they're like, sometimes when I think about inspiration, I look to the stars and the moon. And it's like, oh my no, God. You just humble bragged about your ass. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. it's like you are so tedious. Mm-hmm. You are so tedious. And I think that people, I think <laughs> that such a funny writing too much. It gives me high what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. It makes, I know. It, it makes me want to light myself on fire. Um, but I, I feel like food blogging on one hand, yes. I think hating that people are explaining the story of the recipe does have like kind of shades of misogyny to it. On the other hand, people need to stop thinking that everything they do is the most fucking interesting thing in the world. Sometimes the most interesting thing in the world is just the recipe. Sure. I totally agree. I think that the quality should always be top quality. But I also think I'm like, you know what? 
just if you want to scroll down, scroll down mm -hmm. because there's a lot of places on the internet where you can just get a recipe. I'm like, I just, these people have a hobby. I just think it's you're nice. being real ableist against people who can't scroll. <laughs> they should call it an ass scroll. And it's like, if you want to be an asshole, just scroll. And you hit that button and it just goes straight to the recipe. Yeah, the yeah there should be a little like button that. that's like, skip the... Ass scroll. There actually should be. That's just convenient. We yeah. have, I think we formed a think tank this episode, yeah, ladies. Yeah, I do. Too. Do we have a food blog now? I think we do. Yeah. We have a food blog. We have an orphanage for a, mentors. A commune. Yeah. <laughs> or commune. Mentor commune. Clear pants that we can... <laughs> Clear, our bodies into clear pants so we can all look like fetal pigs. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have this week for Hysteria. Michaela Grace, Dana, and Alyssa Mastermonico, thank you for joining me, and there will be more Hysteria for you next week.